Hello, and welcome to Way Too Twag's Bagpipe and History Podcast. I'm not Jeremy. He's currently following up on a hot tip from a time traveler that the famous Dalrymple Diamond is buried beneath the doorstep of the family estate. Last we saw him, he was boarding a transatlantic shipping container vessel with a pickaxe in one hand and a whistle in the other. We wish him luck. In the meantime, I am James, and I'll be your temporary host in this episode where we'll explore hymn tunes from Spain, Germany, Ireland, England, Wales, and more, spanning a wide swath of origin times from the 19th century on back to the 15th and beyond. Let's hear some tunes. So that was a tune called Madrid. Uh, unsurprisingly, it uh, seems to originate in Spain, though it's a it's an old enough it's an old enough folk melody that um, you know it's hard to say precisely uh, when it came into existence. But somewhere there near the near or on the Iberian Peninsula, um, that that tune has been making the rounds for a very long time. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, uh, not that long ago, a friend who is a a a religious participant and so encounters hymns but is not much of a a music geek and um so he was asking some questions about music and stuff like that and I myself uh sometimes walk out of doors and am not much of a cycling geek and he's very into cycling and so uh you know uh, an exchange of information between between two enthusiasts about their hobbies anyway um he was a bit surprised and I can understand why um you know, but it took me a minute to think about why, and maybe even a little bit horrified to learn about the uh, the what you might call very civilian origins of a lot of hymn tunes, a lot of the tunes that are used for hymns, just that so many of them, you know, were folk songs and still are, um, drinking songs, etc., for, for a very long time before being sort of, you might say... Um, adopted into, uh, you know, or, or, or morphed into or utilized for the purpose of um, religious praise music, right? Uh, hymns, um, you know. Uh, of course, the, you know, the, the I, think, I think generally accepted uh, uh, ideas simply that, you know, especially in a, in a time and place where a lot of people maybe don't have formal music education, the best thing for, for congregational singing especially is to use a, a tune that's familiar to the congregation. And, uh, and so you, you reach out into the, well, could you call it the pop music canon of the day? I think you probably could. Pop music becomes folk music. Is that, is that fair? Maybe that's a controversial thing to say. I'm not sure. I'll tell you what, this, this whole uh, bantering by yourself thing that Jeremy does so well sure gets hard when you sit down to do it. At least it, it does for me. Let's uh, listen to more music. That'll be better. Um, here's an example of this being done not on pipes, just for reference. The same tune 
Here it's under the title, Come Christians jo Join and Sing. I think that that's probably uh, the what you might call the, the lyric title, right? Um, this is arranged by Sterling Proctor, and it's being performed by the Chancel Choir, along with the Chapel Choir, and the Broadway Baptist Church, and the Oratorio Chorus, and the Southwestern Baptist Seminary, um, and the Festival Brass, and Albert Travis on an organ, and there's also some con congregational singing in this arrangement. So let's hear just a sample of this real quick, and I'll have a link to this um, and other uh, any other samples that I play uh, for in the show notes. Even as my personal relationship with organized religion has uh, cooled or become more complicated as I've gotten older, I there's there's no tainting to the the sort of beauty, excitement, awe, and inspiration that I, I get from a big arrangement like that. It just cuts me right to the core. Um, especially these older, the the oldest of these hymn tunes, they keep bringing me back uh, for for the same reason. There's like this this overwhelming. Um, awe, this, this sense of like, I can't quite grasp just how big this is when, when there's such a collaborative effort, you know, it's part of why I wanted to make sure to list all of the groups that were contributing to that arrangement there, you know, it's, um, and it's not even just the performers there, right? It seems to echo through all the hours that each individual spent practicing their art form, but also all of the lifetimes that have been spent perfecting, like, that pipe organ, like the pipe organ as it exists today, the, the trumpet, the even like um, practices, best practices and strategies for singing better, you know, and like choral arrangement, like how many life, how many human lifetimes have gone into, you know, contributed in, in small ways and big ways to make it even possible that music happens, that this arrangement could happen. You know what I mean? Um, I remember when I was a kid, my uncle had given me a series of books. Uh, one was about pyramids, one was about castles, and one was about cathedrals. And I, I, I you know, I had them since I was really young, and I really liked them for the illustrations. Um, I was, I, I'm, I'm severely colorblind, and I think I'd convinced myself, you know, that I preferred black and white anyway. And all the illustrations in these were like cross-hatching ink illustrations, you know. Um, it kind of a, you know, well, if it's my choice to prefer non-color illustrations, then it's my choice, you know, kind of thing maybe going on there. But I, I honestly, I probably spent most of my time uh, looking at the two-page spread of weapons, because probably like most little boys, I spent a lot of time myself uh, just drawing pages and pages of just laid out flat uh, fancy swords and maces and stuff like that. But 
I do remember uh, reading parts of the books too. And in the Cathedral book, um, it, it was interesting to me then and has become more and more fascinating as I've got older, just uh, the cross-generational uh, type of work that is, you know, I think the, uh, the, uh, the, the cathedral in Notre Dame is, is one that they use as an example there that, you know, you might've had artisans, stonemasons and, and woodcutters, et cetera, who started this project and it might've been their grandchildren who finished it, you know? And in some cases, the projects aren't necessarily done yet. You know, you think of like that fire recently, you know, you, you still have people working on these buildings in some cases, you know, and it just feels like this, this is like a musical cathedral in a way, you know, it's like, each individual who's contributed maybe can't quite see the finished product. And I'm doing that with air quotes because is it ever finished? You know, just the sort of like constant improvement or change or shifting in, in music and musical expression and innovation, instruments, etc. Ah, I'm rambling like crazy. Let's, let's, hit another, let's hit another song here. This is one that's from Germany. Uh, probably about the 18th century. It's attributed to Martin Herbst. Though I think that the... Um, I think that the lyrics maybe are sometimes attributed to um, Martin Luther, the the famous one, um, you know, who had the complaints that he nailed to the door and all that. Um, the German title, I'm going to try it, Aus der Tiefe Rufe Ich. Ich. <laughs> well, I think it translates to I Call from the Depths. Um, so Martin Herbst uh, lived in the second half of the 17th century, uh, but this tune might have been reworked by Bach, the, the famous Bach himself, uh, maybe harmonized for the organ or something like that. Um, so uh, here's what it sounds like on small pipes. I did add a little bit of percussion, and I still feel a little bit unsure. I like the big booms. I'm not 100% sure that the cymbals were a great idea, but here, here they are all the same. While I was recording these tracks, um, anytime I came across a tune that called for a C natural or an F natural, I would just use tape on the chanter. Um, I've since then uh, drilled a C natural hole in the back of my small pipe chanter that I used to record most of these. Um, it, it, it wasn't, it, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't want to um, have anybody try it and then accidentally damage the chanter and then 
blame me uh, even in their hearts, you know, even if it didn't turn into, um, what, litigation or something, right? But, uh, you know, uh, didn't seem to go that poorly, really. It's functional, um, and it maybe doesn't look that pretty, but um, I kind of wish that I had tried that before doing the recording, because there are a few tunes that, like, definitely felt like they would have been really cool to uh, kind of go from from minor to major, major to minor, or something like that, you know? Um, well, so here's another tune from Germany. Uh, this one, you know, again, it's German. Uh, Bresel, Breslau, Breslau, I think is what it's called. I, I suspect that's a place name. Um, the you're, you're hearing right now um, the choir of Girton College singing it with, uh, they're, they're doing it under the lyric title, uh, Take Up Thy Cross. But, um, but the tune title, I think, is a place name. Uh, I, I have done some research like I, I mean yeah i'm nothing to jeremy really uh, a pretty poor substitute here but um there you know there's there are websites out there hymnary.org is a very uh pretty pr pretty good one for for anybody interested in in sort of like the the history and and some some information about these uh these old t these old hymn tunes um so this one uh probably possibly written by joseph clowder um but, you know, you get back far enough, sometimes it's hard to tell if some of these tunes were written by the person they're attributed to or uh, simply written down by the person they're attributed to. And in many cases, they were really just harmonized by the, the person who they're attributed to, not to diminish the value of harmonizing a, a melody, of course, or reharmonizing for that matter. But um, So Joseph Clowder, this guy in um, Germany uh, did something with this tune anyway, but it does look like there are instances of this melody line that go back at least to 1450. Uh, it's always fun to get some of these particularly older ones. Uh, so here's what it sounds like on small pipes. As you can imagine, some of the challenge of uh, recording some of these tunes is they're very short. <laughs> Not all of them, but some of them are eight bars or even less. And so, you know, you can get creative and kind of play with some repeats and variations. Or in some cases, uh, you know, even a couple of different tunes on the same page um, will work together well if you make a little medley. Actually, on that note, I should mention where these are coming from. Uh, Timothy Cummings is a great small piper, and uh, he put together a collection of hymn tunes a little while ago called uh, the, uh, Piper's Hymnal. And that's where just about all of these come from. Um, he did point out to me not too long ago in an email that, like, I have in general been referring to what he did with these as uh, arranging. And he did mention, like, in some cases, that's true. But he said, you know, uh, he did point out that, like, you make a finer distinction and clarify that, you know, in a lot of cases, it's more like... Uh, 
transcribing. Now that I'm saying the word transcribing, I, I worry that I'm actually using not the precise word that he used. But it makes sense, you know, that some of these did require some arrangement, some folding in of a melody line to make it fit onto the small pipe chanter, stuff like that. Or, or Highland pipe chanter. You can play it with anything, of course. I'm just playing on small pipes here. But, you know, that uh, some of these, they're, you know, essentially ready to go uh, in, the, in the old manuscript. And uh, it's really, if anything, just moving it into the key that will... Uh, be familiar to the Piper playing. So let's see. So this next one is also a short one. It's called, or at least the tu the, the tune title I've got here is Saint Columba, though it's sometimes also referred to as O Breath of God. It's a trad tune out of Ireland that's old enough and popular enough that no one's quite sure who wrote it down first. Um, it is an interesting one in that it seems to have remained popular consistently since before recorded knowledge of the tune you know a lot of tunes uh come in and out of vogue across the centuries um in hymnals and this one seems to have always been popular and what's fun about that is you end up getting to hear a lot of different versions if you want to go look in uh in the background here you're hearing um uh, you're hearing it done on on uh, on harp by ray pool um, but there are tons of you know organ arrangements and choral arrangements and stuff like that out there but uh, here it is on small pipes I don't know if this is maybe a decent time if they'd be interested in the instrument itself that, that you're hearing here. These are some John Walsh uh, Scottish small pipes. It is the second, um, no, the third set of John Walsh small pipes that I have owned. Um, I don't own any of the others. I only own one at a time is usually my policy, though. <laughs> yeah, it's getting less and less to be my policy, honestly, as time goes on. But first I owned a set of D small pipes, then I owned a set of A small pipes, and now I've got a an ad combo set that's what you're hearing here um and i like them i think they play great uh there are it's all synthetic materials well that's not quite true actually it's synthetic drones with synthetic reeds all around but um it is tied into everything's tied into a, a leather bag made by a uh, felsberg the the quiet piper great bag too it's got that gooseneck design you know so i can kind of kink the neck to shut off the chanter when i need to um you know i i really like the d small pipes i do have kind of kind of uh thick fingers though and so i mean for as for most of us the d chanters are kind of was kind of is kind of a challenge for me um and i really liked the like sort of warm resonance of the a set and so the the main draw for me for getting the ad combo was the the extra drones you know so this is a situation where let's see here um the highest drone um just has a really long tuning pin on it so you can go between a uh, e and d on the highest drone then you got an a drone and then there's another um ed 
uh, drone, but the lower of the two, you know, changeable drones um, has a twist top on it. So you can twist it one direction to open up the D hole, twist it the other direction to open up the E hole, and then there's a low A drone on it. Um, that was the main draw for me, and I definitely at this point feel like there's no way I could ever go back to less than four drones, and I would love to go forward to a lot more. I I doubt I'm the only one in this uh, niche club of ours who, uh, you know, maybe the main reason that I'm into piping, the main thing that draws me to it is the drones, you know, uh, just love some good drones. <laughs> and so any, any more, uh, more, dr the more the merrier. I, I can't, I can't yet, f um, conceptualize of a situation where there would be too many options for mixing and matching drones. So I've been a lot of fun and, and, you know, I've seen other players on, you know, Bob Dunsire and, and, uh, uh, Chiff and Fipple and, uh, and other sort of forums and stuff mention these these pipes that uh, that they, they seem to usually get a pretty good a pretty good rep pretty good reputation out there. Um, my experience is pretty limited. I've had those few sets of John Walsh small pipes. I've messed with his shuttle pipes a bit. I did own a set of Dunfyan small pipes for a while, and then I've tried some some friends, you know, various makes of of Scottish small pipes. So so keeping in mind that my my personal experience is somewhat limited. I've certainly had a good time with them, and I and I've read a lot of other users, a lot of other players commenting on those forums and stuff. That one of the great things about them is that they hold their tuning so well. You know, you, they kind of stay where you leave them, and uh, yeah, I'd say that's the case. And uh, uh, I think they've been a lot of fun to play. Um, so hopping back in time just a little bit again here to the 16th century, I think that this Salter is East's Salter. It's spelled E S T E, but I'm pretty sure that's just an old or you know, pre-standardized spelling way of spelling uh, East as a as a surname. Um, but the tune itself is attributed to uh, Christopher Ty. Um, Christopher Ty, <laughs> he, so he was, uh, he, he definitely was running around in sort of the music scene uh, at Cambridge at, in the middle of the 1500s. Um, we got some, some notes about him here and there. Here's what I think is cool, though, is just thinking about this guy was a music tutor for King Edward VI, and he was an organist at the uh, at the the royal chapel under Queen Elizabeth, um, not the one who who recently passed away, the other Queen Elizabeth. Um, but he he composed a lot of stuff, hymns, anthems, you know, stuff for special occasions as well as stuff that you know got written down. When I say special occasions, I'm thinking like birthdays for the royalty and stuff like that, right? But then also stuff that like this tune that we're about to hear, which is called uh, Windsor. And he spent a lot of time around the 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 house there the house of Windsor I suppose uh it's a nice house right and little 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 royalty joke I guess there maybe uh maybe I'm getting too sleepy maybe I shouldn't be doing this um well nope full steam ahead we're doing this we're gonna keep doing it so uh let's see uh he rendered the first fourteen chapters of the book of Acts from the Bible um into into a, a like a poetic meter that um could then be set easily to music and sung which feels like a feat to me. That sounds like it probably wasn't super easy to do. Um, anyway, uh, I'll stop rambling. Let's hear the tune. Here's, uh, here's Windsor, Windsor by uh, Christopher Ty.
feel like there's got to be some kind of joke that that should be made about how the guy who wrote that tune, the tune is called Windsor, his last name is Ty, and, you know, a full Windsor or half Windsor are two of the most common knots for neckties, um, at least at present. There have been other knots popular at other times, of course, too. There's a joke there somewhere. Uh, Maybe I'm not the man to make it. But speaking of funny things, the next tune we're going to hear is called Oh Wally Wally, which is just a silly name. (laughs) Um, It's a traditional... uh, uh, English tune, uh, I believe the the sort of like, what would you call it, the secular uh, title would be um, Oh Wally Wally Gin Love Be Bonnie, um, but the tune's been used for hymns, uh, let's see, we've got the words for that, for the folk, for the, for the secular version of the, you know, the secular lyrics, we've got those words popping up in uh, this publication that I'm sure is a real hoot uh, called Ramsey's Tea Table Miscellany. Um, uh, that was published in the early to mid 1700s. Um, but this, uh, this tune itself is also like super popular in the Appalachian, um, music, uh, repertoire or, or, uh, uh, canon, uh, over here in the States, which, uh, I love, I love, love that, uh, that transatlantic exchange of music. So that always gets me excited. Here's Wally Wally. So I don't know if uh, that little note about it being popular in, uh, in uh, the Appalachian region of the United States uh, had you trying to place it as you were listening there, but uh, you, you you might find it pop up under a couple different tune names, actually. Um, but The Water's Wide, I think, is probably the most most common one. Uh, and I uh, maybe, maybe I, I, I've shied away from putting in too many samples of these tunes on other instruments just because think, I'm thinking like as I started putting those in there I started thinking like well I'm, I don't know do people want this reference maybe they won't like it but there's just a little taste of Pete Seeger doing it in the background I I like just about everything I've ever heard Pete Seeger do he, we, we wish I could have met that guy um, I don't know if anybody else has ever read Abi Yo-Yo uh, which you know to, to be fair he, he, he picked that story up in uh, South Africa if I remember right but uh Anyway, that, that's where my love of Pete Seeger started, personally, as a, as a child, reading Nabi Yo-Yo, and I've read it all my kids and stuff like that. Any, anyway, here's just a little taste of him singing it with his banjo and all, and he's got a, the, the crowd sing along with him here and stuff, too. Water is wide, I cannot cross over, neither have I wings to fly. I will 
So here's one that's a little more modern. This one comes from the 19th century in England. And, and, and probably, if you haven't heard any other of these melody lines before, this is one that there's a decent chance you've heard it before. It's pretty popular. It usually goes by the name Eventide or Abide With Me or Abide or Fast Falls the Eventide, some variation of that. Um, legend has it that uh, William H. Monk, who was a sort of like... Uh, he was a composer, maybe more than that, a, a, a sort of like music collector. He had, he had or, or some sort of like, sort of, he was like members, he was a member on various musical committees in the, in the 19th century. Um, he had his fingerprints on a few different hymnals that were printed um, during his lifetime. And um, the, the legend has it that um, the, he'd heard the, the, the lyrics for this one, you know, the, the poem, as a, a, if you will, that that uh, is still the the text you usually hear with this melody today, and that he sat down at a piano and and busted out this this tune in about ten minutes, you know, and it was just straight straight to the piano, right onto the page, and showed up in the very next edition of the hymnal he was working on at the time. Um, so, you know, popular tune and apparently kind of kind of quick to whip it out too. Uh, here's uh, here's Eventide. One delightful thing that uh, was unexpected that came from this, um, from playing through this collection, and since then has continued to happen, uh, playing through other collections of old music, um, is that I have learned that any time I encounter a Welsh tune, I'm pretty well guarantee it's going to be a great ride. I have yet to meet a Welsh tune I didn't like. They've just been so great, and I feel like I've been so ignorant of the uniqueness of the Welsh um, sort of musical mm, tradition or identifying characteristics etc for most of my life it's such a delightful um discovery by which i just mean discovery for me personally of course 
plenty of other people know that Welsh music is awesome and have known for a very long time, but it's pretty kind of new to me and uh, really has been tons of fun. Um, and this is a Welsh tune. Uh, it's called Arfon. Probably not pronouncing that quite quite the way a, a Welsh speaker would. Um, sometimes it's also called Tros i Garreg. Garreg. I don't know how Welsh people do their double R's. I don't know anything about the Welsh language other than it sounds really cool and kind of angry sometimes, kind of scary maybe, but uh, in a cool way. Anyway, uh, so this tune um, was ha- has been used in France at times with uh, uh, holiday uh, lyrics, like like uh, Advent, Christmas, uh, winter holiday lyrics, you know, um, but uh, definitely is Welsh in origin. Um, it's fun. In the background, you're hearing it on sort of your standard... Um, Kind of, kind of your standard uh, four-part uh, church harmony kind of, kind of arrangement. Uh, this is how it was done by um, by John Ellerton in 1875, um, put together for a hymnal. Um, and you're hearing it in minor, in, in a minor uh, what mode tonality. Um, and I think that that's the most typical way to play or hear this this melody. But it's one of those cool tunes that can work in major as well and it's fun to kind of use both so I got a little adventurous with this one on small pipes and I had seen a video of Bridget Campbell playing oh I think I think it was something in Australia um, on the YouTube where she had tape over one of her chanter holes but she ripped it off halfway through the set so she went from minor to major and it was super cool now I'm no Bridget Campbell don't get your hopes up. I shouldn't be talking this up much. It's a very humble attempt to do that, but it was sure fun, and uh, I'd be willing to try it again. Uh, so here, here's our fawn on the on the small pipe.
Well, I said I'd be willing to try it again, and I did in this next and what will be the last tune for this uh, this episode. Um, this one's called Donne Secures, and here's another language I don't know anything about. This is French. Um, this one comes from the 16th century from the Genevan Psalter. Um, this Psalter is, is interesting in that it was put together by the famous or infamous, depending on who you talk to, John Calvin himself. Uh, probably in the city of Geneva. That's probably why it's called the Genevan Psalter. Um, but not, you know, not to be confusing or anything. Um, I think this tune is used sometimes in French Christmas carols as well. Um, though I'm actually not 100% sure about that. It might just be that it sounds kind of like, you know, uh, another tune that's used in French Christmas carols. But anyway, another lovely old tune and another one that works well in minor and major. Uh, so in this case, it's a fun trick to pull off. I don't know if y'all have tried it before, but if you, and probably this will work with, it'll, it'll surely have a cool effect on just about any tune just to try it out. But, uh, so in this case, I just, I've got the drones going, uh, let's see, what are they? I know they've got, I know that there were the A's. I'm almost positive. Yeah. It's A's and E's on the drones. Those would work with just A's or just E's really. Um, and then I've just got the C sharp taped down to C natural, but with a little flag of the tape sticking out. Um, so it's easy in the middle there, uh, you know, to switch mode. So it starts out in the minor, then you rip it off to go to major. Of course, with this method, that's really the only direction you can go. It's really hard to very quickly and accurately slap a piece of tape onto the chanter hole. Though I wouldn't put it past somebody out there someone more talented than I. So uh, as we roll into this tune, just uh, sorry for my stuttering and stuff. This uh, this proved rather difficult. My I've always loved the show, and my hat is more off to Jeremy than it ever has been before. It was off already, but it's like super off now. Like there's not a chance this hat's ever coming back on. That's how off my hat is to Jeremy for putting out this show. So many episodes of so much excellent content, not just his playing, but also the narration in between and all of the research. My goodness, I felt like I put a lot of work into this uh, as far as researching these tunes. And then when I sat down to record it, I was like, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Oh, support your local way too twag and hop on patreon if you haven't before because this guy is putting a lot of work into this show um oh and let me put in a selfish plug here too all of these tunes are from volume one of the series of recordings i've done that i called sunday small pipes they can be found pretty much everywhere if you want information about them um what's the best way heritagebagpipes.com um i'll have a page there uh, but basically, these are almost all pulled from Timothy Cummings' arrangements in the Piper's Hymnal. I'm sure he wouldn't mind you buying a copy. He does lovely prints of music. All of his collections are on like really nice paper, and the typeface is really pretty and stuff. Like they're nice collections to have. Um, I've even put together a um, a what would you call it? Like a a spreadsheet that lists which album and track corresponds to which which um, tune on which page in his collection. And, you know, I'll share that with anybody who wants it. You can get a hold of me there at heritagebagpipes.com. And uh, if you want to, you can buy this and the other albums of hymns. Like, I'm in no way pretending like this is like, you know, uh, groundbreaking music or anything like that. But if it's fun and if you like it, you can definitely stream it for free, for sure, for sure. But if you wanted to buy it... Um, all of the money from this from these albums goes to a a really good nonprofit called Nurturing Nations. They help kids with disabilities in Ghana. 
it's it's the good kind of nonprofit where like you know there are no USA employees everybody's volunteers the money actually goes to help the kids so great cause if you if you decide you'd like to have have a copy to to own of your very own and and for sure let me know if if you have if you if you are also interested in this like niche within a niche within a niche kind of music and you want to pick up one of Jeremy's um <laughs> Jeremy's pick up a Patreon subscription with Jeremy and pick up one of Timothy's him uh Piper's hymnal uh collections and then if you want uh that index of that's what I was looking for an index of which tune goes to which page just let me know I'd be happy to share it uh enough rambling from me have a great evening day week etc and uh boy Here's looking forward to another smooth, beautiful episode from Jeremy next up, huh?